Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 20 called The Naked Truth. How does God get a message to a nation? The founding fathers of the, of the United States uh, directly said these words. They said, because God does not judge nations in the afterlife, he only judges individuals. And this was their view. He must judge nations now, because he won't judge uh, nations in, in, the, in eternity, but rather individuals that make up those nations. So when nations go astray, be it Assyria, be it Egypt, be it you know, Moab, be it whatever you want to talk about, God will deal with those nations. And if he didn't deal with those nations, then we'd have to ask a deeper question, does he care about them? Example, God allows a prophet named Jonah to go to Assyria and preach. The capital of Assyria was Nineveh. Why, pray tell, does God send Jonah there, and Jonah, as a prophet in Israel, runs the other way, and he doesn't even want to proclaim that message to those people. Why? Because the Assyrians who are on the move in the book of Isaiah, everybody's fearful of them, everybody's looking to ally themselves with other nations and get protection, because the Assyrians were a scary people. They were known to to win wars and take captives by putting uh, rings in people's noses and dragging them across the desert in lines. Some people believe naked, some people believe scantily dressed. And they would sometimes put either a nose ring or put a hook in your jaw and carry you off captive to their nation to either kill you or have you serve as a slave. They were a brutal people. And when Jonah was told to go preach to them, he said, Lord, I'm going the other way. But the Lord got his attention, right? A custom-made fish, and right? And Jonah ends up preaching, but he's not happy about the revival. And God says, should I not care about 120,000 souls that don't know their right hand from their left hand? Right? God is concerned about the nations. And when you read the Old Testament, you need to see that the Old Testament includes Gentile nations. It includes God caring enough and loving people enough to say, I will do some things to rattle your cage now so that eternally you will be in better shape. You will have a chance to repent. You will have a chance to come back to the living God. This is how God has acted in history. And he gives the burden of the message to his man, to Isaiah, who got the call in Isaiah 6. And when, I, when Isaiah got the call, he was undone. He was exposed before God, and then he was forgiven by God, and then he was commissioned by God. But he was warned in Isaiah 6 that the people are not going to listen to you. You're going to preach, you're going to preach, and the heart of your message will, will be, keep on hearing, but you won't listen. Keep on seeing, but you won't see. And the issue is a dull heart. And sometimes when people have a dull heart, the only way to get their attention is to do something radical that is beyond words. And can you imagine anything more radical than a prophet walking around nude for three years? Sometimes we have to be shaken to listen. Because words sometimes don't seem to be enough for people. Take the Lord Jesus, who preaches to thousands of people, 
does miracles in front of people, and still their hearts are hard. He dies probably naked on a cross, and that's the point at which a robber comes to his senses and some guards come to their senses when they see his reaction to the devastating treatment that he receives, undeservedly so, because he's innocent Lamb of God. Sometimes God does something beyond a message, beyond a vocal message to get a picture. He did it in the book of Ezekiel when Ezekiel lays on his side and does some strange things and you're going, what's going on? Because those pictures were intended to communicate. You know, it's been said that a picture is worth what? A thousand words. Why? Because sometimes when we see something in front of us, then it, it, it penetrates a little deeper. It gets our attention. We, we can't easily just pass by it or let it you know, go in one ear and out the other, as we say, or, or not have it penetrate our being. But God has decided to use the message preached to get to the people. And so the people of Egypt have been telling the surrounding nations that they're going to be they're going to be a safety net for others. And, and the nations around Israel, uh, Ashdod is one of the chief cities of the Philistines, and you have uh, uh, the, the mention of Ethiopia or Cush here, and you have nations that are trying to, they're trying to form alliances because Assyria is a lion, and they're coming from the north, and they're coming into lands, and they're dominating everybody, and people are fearful, and they're trying to find desperately how to survive. And so what Isaiah does is he gets a commission. In the year that the commander, this is back in Isaiah 20, verse 1. If you have a New King James, it says Tartan. That means the commander-in-chief. And historically, that's a title, not a name. He's the second in command to the uh, ruler of Assyria or the king. So he he sent this commander-in-chief. And we do uh, we have... Uh, historical uh, markers that are concrete on this, that this is about 711 B.C. Um, The commander, the Tartan, came to Ashdod, one of the chief cities of the Philistines, and now today it's part of Israel on the southern coast of Israel. When Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him, and he fought against Ashdod, and he captured it. So around 711 B.C., he sent by the king, This commander-in-chief comes down with the armies. All these cities are scrambling, including the Philistine cities. And you know, the Philistines were traditionally a pretty powerful group and a thorn in the the side of the uh, Israelites. But they've been captured by Assyria. And they're sweeping through nations and people are concerned and they're fearful. At that time, it says in verse 2, the Lord spoke, and that's what the Lord does. He speaks through the prophets, and in this case, he spoke through Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loosen the sackcloth. Sackcloth was the uh, attire of the prophet. And it's interesting that when God comes to him and commissions him for this particular call, he is to loosen the sackcloth from his hips, which seems to imply that sackcloth was the normal clothing of Isaiah. He may have worn it all the time. Now, you know, there's a twofold idea of sackcloth. It's what John the Baptist wore. It's what other prophets of old wore. And it would, was either the, the camel's hair or something similar to that. And it was a garment of either mourning or a garment warning of destruction or doom. That's what it was. And apparently, part of Isaiah's call was to walk around in this garment all the time. 
Now, some of us, sometimes we think, I want to be like Isaiah. I want to have a similar calling. I want to go tell the nations of God. And I want to, but you know what? There's a price for this particular prophet. And as a matter of fact, uh, Jesus said, which one of the prophets did you not kill? And now the Son of God has come, the ultimate prophet. And what do they want to do? He's the heir. Come let us kill him. And Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who murder the prophets. You know, why do you do these things? And there's Isaiah's call. Isaiah is called by the Lord to loosen the sackcloth from his hips, to take off the the garment of mourning and uh, warning of judgment, take off his shoes from his feet, and he is to go naked and barefoot. Now let me ask you a question. You sure you want the call of Isaiah? See, for us, it's most likely that God's never going to (laughs) call any of us to walk around nude for a period of time, if indeed he was totally naked. But it is certain, and I'm going to credit someone where credit is due. I heard John Corson talk about this. He said, what we Christians are fearful of, though, is laying ourselves bare before people. Bearing our soul before people. What we are fearful of is what people will think of us. And in essence, Romans 1.16 comes back to the surface because Romans 1.16 indicates that we are ashamed. We're not ashamed of our nakedness in the sense that we don't have clothing on. We're ashamed to lay our souls bare before our friends and co-workers and family members and really say to them, if you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to perish. We have a call from the Lord. And evangelism in the Christian church is anemic as a whole. Why is that? Because Well, Christians often say, well, I don't think I'll have the right answer, which really then means I'm going to be embarrassed. Or Christians don't want to be labeled in a certain way. If I tell my neighbor or my coworker that there's a heaven and a hell and Christ is the only way, they're they're going to label me. They're going to treat me this way. I'm going to be laid bare before them. I'm going to be exposed. I'd rather be a secret agent Christian. That way I can hide in the closet and no one will really know. And if someone asks me about it, then maybe I'll share a little bit and tell them where I go to church. Really? See, it begs a deeper question of what we really believe about eternity, doesn't it? There's an actual story in the history of the world and with a chaplain and I can't remember the guy's name but the guy is going to the electric chair and there's a a denominational uh, chaplain that's been called to his side as he makes the death walk I think it's in England and as he's headed for the electric chair uh, the chaplain is sharing the gospel with him but he's sharing it very kind of robotically you know you really need to trust in Christ before this happens to you You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? 
Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to perish. We have a call from the Lord. And evangelism in the Christian church is anemic as a whole. Why is that? Because, well, Christians often say, well, I don't think I'll have the right answer, which really then means I'm going to be embarrassed. Or Christians don't want to be labeled in a certain way. If I tell my neighbor or my co-worker that there's a heaven and a hell and Christ is the only way, they're, they're going to label me. They're going to treat me this way. I'm going to be laid bare before them. I'm going to be exposed. I'd rather be a secret agent Christian. That way I can hide in the closet and no one will really know. And if someone asks me about it, then maybe I'll share a little bit and tell them where I go to church. Really? See, it begs a deeper question of what we really believe about eternity, doesn't it? There's an actual story in the history of the world and with a chaplain, and I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy is going to the electric chair, and there's a, a denominational uh, chaplain that's been called to his side as he makes the death walk. I think it's in England. And as he's headed for the electric chair, uh, the chaplain is sharing the gospel with him, but he's sharing it very kind of robotically. You know, you really need to trust in Christ before this happens to you. But there's no passion or zeal in the man's eyes, and, and they stop on the walk, and the man who's destined to die turns to the chaplain and says, you know what, if I really believed that message about heaven and hell and Jesus being the only way, and you Christians say you believe it. He said, I would, I would crawl on my hands and knees over broken glass uh, throughout the country, uh, throughout England, to get that message to someone. And then he said, right before he was executed, but I don't believe you. I don't believe you Christians really believe that. And there's been times in my life... <laughs> Times when God didn't necessarily answer my prayer the way I expected where one time I can remember I was out looking at a piece of property and I was praying about whether or not that piece of property was God's leading for the church. This was years ago. And so I was, I was on a pretty busy street and I felt like the Lord, have you ever had this happen to you? I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, get on your knees and ask me. And I was like, but Lord, there's no closet, there's no... I'm exposed here. I'm on the road. Do you know where I am? Get on your knees and ask me. Ouch. And you're asking, did you obey? And I did. But it felt weird, and it was only a one-second prayer. (laughs) I was right back up. I acted like I was picking up something. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did stay there and pray, but it... It challenged my heart. 
See, deep down, I think I'm worried more than I really think I think I'm worried about what people think of me. You know, I don't want to be too far out there. I don't want people to think that I'm not normal. I mean, I I believe in Jesus, and I never hesitate to say that, but I certainly want to be accepted among my peers, and if I'm coaching, or if I'm at a store, I don't want to be thought of as bizarre. But what's at risk? Oh, only people's eternal destinies. Wow. And so, he says... The Lord said, even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked and barefoot. Did Isaiah obey? Now, whatever you believe, whether or not he was totally in his birthday suit or had a tunic on, whatever you believe about that, Isaiah obeyed. And Isaiah is given a very special title here, Bible Sentence Market, because this is something that's reserved for Abraham, David, Moses, Caleb, some of the giants in the Bible. You can, you can do a concordance search on this. Look for my servant. You'll see David's called my servant. Jesus is called my servant in John chapter 12 and Matthew. Um, no, Jesus actually says, my servant will want to be where I am in John 12. And then I think it's in Matthew 12 where he, uh, Jesus is actually called my servant or the servant of Yahweh. You see, my servant, what does he do? He does what I tell him to do. Jesus said in Luke 6, we're about to study it on Sunday morning, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And look, most of what God says doesn't even come close to this for our personal lives. But when it's inconvenient for me, to either step out and witness or maybe something in my personal life where I want to get ahead of God or you know what, maybe I don't want to really do it that way. I know Christianity teaches that. I know the Bible's clear, but I'd rather do it my way when it comes to premarital sex or when it comes to this or that. I'm not going to really obey that because I can get around that. But see, we have to ask a question. What does it mean to be called my servant when God is saying it? When God is calling someone my servant, that has the implications that the servant says, my master. Now, I and you and all of us tonight don't have a perfect record with that servant-master relationship, do we? There are times when we certainly don't do what we should. But look at I want you to see Isaiah. Even as my servant Isaiah has gone naked, he did it, and barefoot. And how long did he do it? Three years. Now, people, scholars, if you want to research this, they're divided on this. There's people on both sides of the fence, actually, how he was dressed or if he was dressed, and then there's people on both sides of the fence. Did he do it for three years? Well, I just, I'm reading the text to you. It says three years. And then you start to think about three years. You say, that's an interesting number, isn't it? I mean, didn't Jesus have basically a three-year public ministry and didn't he train disciples for three years and when Jesus's life was coming to a close and he was uh, pressed to bear his own cross you remember they stripped him of his clothing and they put that royal uh, 
uh, garb on him. Then they took that off of him. And then when he was crucified, you know what they did? They gambled for his clothing. And there is a good majority of scholars that believe that when Jesus is on the cross, he is naked. And people are walking by, watching him die, an ignominious death, a, a, a death that was reserved for the worst of criminals, the electric chair of Jesus' day, and from that cross, naked from that cross, bearing our shame, what does he say, Father? Forgive them. You see, sometimes we think God may be asking too much of us until we see what our Savior did for us. You see, He was in all points tempted as we, yet without sin. He was always doing those things that please His Father. And we're so worried about what people think of us. This, this world, and especially our country, man, we are so caught up in image. We are so worried about what people might think of us. You know, people don't think about you as much as you think they do. I got news for you. They don't. And so many of us are hung up on, you know what? That person looked at me a little weird. I don't know. Maybe they, they probably don't think a lot about you. You see, we're caught up in this stuff because we're fed it all the time. And God... His eyes go to and fro upon the earth and he looks for a man. And he looks for a woman who, through whom he can show himself strong. What does he look for? Well, we always talk about it in the church. Not ability, just what? Availability. Not the most skillful technicians of theology or high IQ or whatever. What does he look for? a broken and contrite spirit. A man or a woman who say, Lord, if you can save me and use me, here I am. Send me. You've been listening to The Naked Truth, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 20. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teaching in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, you may be asking with a message like the naked truth, what does this have to do with my faith? Well, the truth of the matter is it reveals the fact that if we trust in the wrong things, we will be exposed. You see, the wrong things can never truly cover. They can never deliver us. If we look to the wrong sources of deliverance, that's the point of Isaiah being called to do what he was called to do. And of course, it was uh, quite uh, strange and unique, I guess you would say, but it sent a clear message. Don't trust in the wrong thing. Don't trust in idols. Don't trust in world powers that ultimately can't deliver you from the power of sin and death. Trust in the God of the Bible. Trust in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Walk in Truth, and we are so glad that you are listening. And we wanted to take a moment to invite you, all of you who live anywhere near the Inland Empire, to join us at the church that I have the privilege of being the senior pastor, but it's a great team of pastors and leaders, elders, deacons, servants, 
an amazing group of uh, people who love the Lord and would love to have you feel welcome and to receive the truth and to be encouraged in your faith. And that's Living Truth Christian Fellowship here in the city of Corona. Now, if you go to walkintruth.com, which is the website for the radio program, click on the church tab and you can find out everything you'd like to know about the church. And you might say, well, Pastor Michael, can you give me a taste? Sure. You know, the pulpit ministry that uh, you are hearing on the radio is what we do at Living Truth. Typically, verse by verse, expository teaching through books of the Bible. Yes, we taught through all 66 chapters of Isaiah on a Wednesday night. Yes, we taught through all the chapters of Job. Um, and right now we're going through the book of Exodus on Sunday mornings, and uh, we're in the little book of Philemon on Wednesday nights. And this is just typical of what we do. We, we let the Bible speak for itself. But we also have amazing people, incredible worship, and just a very loving church, and love for you to experience it. That's Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Probably the easiest way to get more information and driving directions is to go to walkintruth.com and click on that church tab, walkintruth.com. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing on this program. Please keep us in prayer and support us as you can, as you are able. We appreciate you. We love you. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 20 called the naked truth. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.